The Big 5D Podcast is brought to you by Matchcraft, a global MarTech firm powering local search, social, and display campaigns for partners on six continents. Matchcraft's newest offering is Powered By, an API solution giving third-party platforms access to the technology behind its flagship Advantage platform. Visit them at matchcraft.com. Hello, and welcome to the Big 5D Podcast, brought to you by Big 5 Digital. So I'm Charles Lachlan. I'm your host. We've been on a bit of a hiatus uh, from late last year up until now, and uh, we're happy to be back. We hope you missed us, and we have a great guest for you today. He is Guy Futi, who is the co-founder and CEO of Orda, which is a food tech platform or a otherwise described as a SaaS tool for restaurants uh, in Africa. The company's based in Lagos, and it recently re, uh, raised a $1.1 million pre-seed round. And we, after we saw the coverage of Guy, we wrote about it in our Substack newsletter. And I reached out to Guy and said, how would you like to come on the podcast and tell us about your business? Which is pretty much how I approach everyone who I invite on the podcast. The uh, the invitation usually is some variation on come on the podcast and tell us about your business. So that's what he did. He told us about Orda, what it's uh, what it does, which is basically it's it's a POS system, but it branches out into sort of all aspects of managing a restaurant. So basically a small restaurateur in Africa and uh, the company has ambitions to be across Africa instead of using pen and paper to keep track of what comes in and what goes out every day. Using this tool, they can essentially at the push of a button, know where they stand financially at the end of a given day. Uh, that's a pretty powerful uh, use of technology. Uh, we've seen variations on it uh, in other SMB software uh, services popping up around around the continent focused on lending or you know financial management. Sometimes there's a financial education component. But this is specific to the restaurant industry. And what's interesting is that Orda started out, as Guy will tell you, started out thinking it was become a, going to become a cloud kitchen platform. And it quickly pivoted to this opportunity, which it quickly realized was much, much bigger, at least in the near term. So talk to Guy, very impressive guy, uh, Congolese, born in Gabon and raised in Canada, uh, highly educated, actually set aside a... Uh, Oxford PhD process he was going through in order to focus on the business, but he hasn't ruled out uh, resuming his PhD studies. So uh, Guy is a bit of a renaissance man, uh, has some interesting stories from his background. So this podcast will uh, will give you all of that. And then we have a bonus section toward the end where Guy talks about um, you know his uh, philosophy around startups, a little bit of advice for founders, uh, things like that, that I think is some interesting content, not as specific to his business, but more specific to kind of startup life. Uh, and I think many of you will find that very interesting. The bonus portion is for our paid subscribers, as well as our Big Five Digital members and sponsors. However, the free version contains a really good uh, interview. And I think, you know, if that's all you hear, I think you'll be pretty happy. So let's go to it. Thank you very much. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here, Charles. Appreciate you coming on. So 
Orda, pronounced correctly? Yeah, I think so. It's got a little bit of a twang like Orda, but we're, Orda, we'll a little accent at the end. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you just, your uh, company, uh, is Food Tech the right uh, label? Do you accept that label? I think, I think, yeah, Food Tech, SaaS, you know, just operating software, cloud based. Okay. Yeah. You're an OS for restaurants. Is that exactly. a better way to put it? Okay. Yeah. So, SaaS OS for restaurants, um, it based in Lagos, right? Yeah. Yeah, based in Lagos. Okay, so just give us the nickel tour of of your company and um, nickel dime, whatever whatever price you want to set on it, and you know how long it's been operating, its original idea, and then where it sort of turned what it turned into. Just give us the quick rundown, and then we'll dig into some detail. All right, so um, you know, Orda is uh, an operating software for Africa's small food business owners. Right. And we really focus on making their operations seamless. So doing all the software that they need to manage and grow their business. Uh, with that, we've developed some key products and features for cloud based API. And um, I'll tell you a little bit about like, uh, you know, the, the mission, but our vision really and what we see is being able to digitize that entire space, grow it, um, give them all the tools that it takes to be successful. So. Um, you know, the vision is when a food business owner, whether it's a caterer or someone who owns like a buka or a duka in East Africa, when then they when they think about starting or growing their business, they just think Orda. Like that's really the vision. And then everything that they need from a software standpoint, we 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 want to build for them. Okay. So a lot of times when you know, a, a business sort of starts with, it usually starts with one thing and then it becomes like a, a full suite. What was your one thing that you started with POS or what what did it start as so i can tell you we started originally in 2020 um mid 2020 as wanting to do cloud kitchens right um, that okay. was really you know me and my co-founder we were we were bent on cloud kitchens we saw an opportunity we saw it was you know a lot of the vendors we had spoken to locally were asking for you know a more efficient way to run their business because you know as you and operating in in nigeria and lagos is tough you got your generators you got your land costs you got everything so we were just thinking about ways to you know kind of build that for them right and as we started developing it you know the cto co-founder um fikayo brilliant guy um, he was just building the technology to support the cloud kitchens, right? And as we were building the cloud kitchens, you know, the technology, you know, we thought there was a big need for, for that to be solved, and there is. But from our lens, we saw that there was an even bigger need to have that software, right? So when you're, you know, talking to restaurants, a lot of them were using pen and paper, a lot of them was using a cash till system. It was so difficult for them to like kind of integrate their payments or logistics, you know, they didn't have inventory management. Right. And this was happening all across the spectrum. So then we stopped the cloud kitchens, we put that on pause, all of our business is now just the software, right? So when, you know, the, the, the engineering team, you know, just started giving me feedback and updates about, you know, what this thing could do, we started integrating. The first thing is just like, you know, we gave everybody a website and then, you know, we gave it to a couple of people and they loved it. Then we had to integrate, um, you know, uh, Paystack and, and, and Flutterwave and modifying it. And they loved, they made it seamless. And then we started like connecting quick 
and like uh, Volcada and like the independent, like we started integrating that so you could take your payments and dispatch a rider. So you didn't need to invest in payments to need to invest in logistics. And then they loved that as well. And then we got the APIs for Glovo and we connected everything, you know, we did, we did pool mm -hmm. now. And then they loved, and then we were just like, but wait, like online is just a fraction, a small, small portion of like what's going on in the food space. And then now we just started thinking about, okay, we need to build an EPOS, a POS. So then we released, we, we kind of put everything together and then, you know, we, we deployed it and then they loved that. And then, you know, we were starting to do more and more. And then, then we started thinking about inventory management and then we started doing about like employee check. And then we realized that internet can't really be relied upon. And then we switched to having like an APK that can work offline. So like that entire process, right. It was just like learning about, you know, how, you know, our customers, our food business owners, you know, want to, you know, have a software that's built. And we're very, very like, you know, obviously there's more I'm going to stop at that point, but just like that, that iteration of like, you know, product, yeah. product feedback, customer loop, it just kept going on and on and on and on. And that we keep seeing the company grow at a faster and faster clip because we're listening to what these food business owners, our, our clients really want from software. Okay. So I want to go back to something where you said you started out with doing cloud kitchens I want to get to whether you're going to go back to that. We'll get to that later. But um, <laughs> where you say you spotted even bigger opportunity, which is sort of obvious in a way in that, you know, Cloud Kitchens has all the attention, but there's still like thousands of brick and mortar restaurants that are going to launch Cloud Kitchens that have all the needs you just described. What was the uh, what was the insight that, that what was the moment where you sort of realized, OK, we're, we're chasing a maybe a, a, a uh, cachet opportunity, but not a, the bigger opportunity. What made you say, okay, let's get real and focus on the real bigger opportunity? So that happens every day, right? When you're running a business. Mm -hmm. And I think the first thing, so, um, you know, I'm a researcher at, 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 at heart, right? right? So, you know, I've got, I've got, you know, master's and then like I started my PhD. So, you know, doing a lot of qualitative work, mm -hmm. right? And then like, I think, good entrepreneurs, you know, there's like the idea that they hold firmly and then there's how the market responds. Right. And, and the ability to, to shift is yeah, to do and, with whether they fail or succeed. They're really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it took us a lot longer because I will admit that it took me a lot longer to like cue in on, Hey, let's, let's, let's actually do some like qualitative work here. Let's also do mm -hmm. some quantitative work and let's, let's figure out like what's, re and, then, and so listening to their customers, right? So yeah, when you, on the surface level, uh, a restaurant would come and talk to you and say, yeah, like we'd love to sign up and they would prepay for the cloud kitchens, right? right. But then, um, you know, and then when they would like pilot the cloud kitchens, you realize that that was just not like the majority of their needs, like, you know, payments, logistics, and like, and then these were needs that could be like replicated across the spectrum. So they had those desires, right? You know, only a certain portion would need the cloud kitchens, but everybody else would need like all those like integrations and services and products, right? Because right? so, you're a yeah. restaurant, you're probably working with delivery apps and that delivery app integration is, I know that's a major pain point everywhere because you have, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know about Legos, but I know there are restaurants and pick a yeah. big city and they'll have like six different iPad or pads that they're yeah. like sort of independently. Uh, and the beautiful thing, 
Yeah, and the beautiful thing is Orta right now, as far as we can tell, so we have the global APIs, we have the Volt APIs, mm -hmm. we're getting started on all the other APIs, we have Jumia um, connections, right? And so we are, as of right now, I don't know what's going to happen in three months, six months, <laughs> a year, right? right? But as of right now, we've got that full suite integrated, right? And then, um, and then we've also got WhatsApp. So WhatsApp integration, WhatsApp is a much larger player than just those food players, just those right. other food. And then even more than that, we've also got a physical, like digital, like punch point, right? Mm -hmm. So when you look at the industry, like less than 10% of um, you know, I was former managing director of Jumia, and so I led um, in Nigeria of Jumia Food, right? So I got to see, I remember one day, um, you know, when we were thinking about online, and, you know, I went to go see a very popular restaurant, right? Out of the, you know, 1,000 orders that we would give to them, you know, they probably had like 10,000, 15,000 more coming in off like in the physical space so so then we did that shift right because we really wanted and then so like that's basically like how you know we we developed this this this, this software that we're just really proud of yeah yeah cool so you just raised 1.1 million pre-seed round um yeah. i'm always curious when somebody raises money you know you see you hear the the announcement raised a million bucks or whatever you don't know what went into what would happen in the six months or a year prior to that and how many yeah. conversations had to happen and mm -hmm. how much uh you know uh, how much of this had to happen and and <laughs> so, so talk to us uh, just give us a little insight into the process of, of raising that because yeah it's a pretty good round for a pre-seed and um how hard was it i guess that's my question oh man it was it was, it was can i say brutal it was brutal brutal words it was brutal say brutal yeah <laughs> I mean, so um, like I say, I went in on, I, you know, because you see all these announcements, right? And right. You, you see a lot of your 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 peers or people you know that are that are announcing. And your people you went to school with, right? And yeah. Went to school. <laughs> yeah. And, and and so and so you 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 think that okay, well, uh, you know, you right, you when you have an idea, you go, you call a couple of people, and you raise some funding, right? It is not like that. So. Um, you know, we, 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 me and my co-founders, we self-financed to get, to kick it off. Right. right. Um, fortunate enough to have worked for a company that went through an IPO. Right. Um, and, um, so we self-financed a little bit, not much, like maybe like a hundred, 150 K. Um, and then, you know, we, it was just a lot of development because we, again, we were a cloud kitchens company. So a lot of like the money went just, <laughs> right. And, and so, and so uh, then, you know, when we, 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 we were running out of cash, right, we were really running out of cash. And, you know, then we decided, because, you know, you're thinking, oh, bootstrapping, self-starting is the, is the best way. We were running out yeah, of cash. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we were running out of cash, to be honest. And, and so we went out there and we were just getting, you know, just, just beaten up, right? Um, you know, and it's also, it's also a challenge to, to speak to investors when you have like a pre-product, pre-revenue um, sort of business right yeah. a lot of the conversation is theoretical and so you are sitting there sort of like defending what you believe and then they are defending what they believe right and so a lot of that and then you kind of have to like sink and it's a muscle um the entrepreneur the operator starts to develop right and mm -hmm. you know i was never good at it it's not something that you know you could just raise you kind of have to build a muscle for it right and um and so yeah so then we started we got angel friends and family, right? Um, that that's how it started. That gives you a couple months runway, 
and then you know and then you get one key small institutional who's sort of like a you know sort of like an echo piece and then now you bring in like a reputable known one and once once you've got that person it's sort of a signaling effect and right. then now and then but most importantly hopefully by that time you have some product with like you have a product that's generating revenue and you have some data <laughs> that can that can help you in your conversation working or, yeah, yeah yeah do you think it would have been easier if you're raising for a cloud kitchen business because um, it, maybe I don't have the timing right. Had you sort of made that pivot before you started making these investor pitches, or was it? I think of... I think Cloud Kitchens was probably would have been harder. Okay. Right. Yeah. So Cloud Kitchens, we put some feelers out there. You know, Cloud Kitchens is a capex intensive space. Right. Um, and then, like you know, just giving you a little bit of insights, I think the ones we're doing Cloud Kitchens in, in Africa, um, you know, they they are they are true operators. You know, my hats off to them because there's a lot of things they got to solve for. Number one, like food supply chain that needs to be solved for, like the very complex around, like, yeah, the infrastructure around that. All the the multiple concepts within the same kitchen and there's like the the number of variables really adds up very Yeah, it very much adds up, right? I was very excited and passionate about it. However, I came in from the stance of, um, you know, like, uh, and there's different models too, right? So I I, I think, I think that cloud kitchens, um, but then again, I think that everyone has a different path. It depends about your network. I mean, someone can come and raise, uh, you know, uh, you know, off like a travel website, uh, blind pre-product, or like, you know, um, you know, millions of dollars at like a crazy valuation. It depends on the operator and the entrepreneur and how yeah. they resonate and how they're able to sell that story to to the investor, right? And and so that's really an important part of the piece. So do you think your brutal, use your word, experience uh, is unique to an African startup or is that just what a startup goes through no matter where you are in the world? Is there an African component to this that made it harder? I mean, you know, one of the things that as operators or as aspiring operators, we got to keep in mind is you've got to filter all those things out when you're going, you know, you're talking to an investor, you know, you got to put the business, its merits and the vision that's got to come first, right? After you're done your round, you can sort of like sit back and analyze and think, oh, was this hard? Was this not hard? Like, you right. know, but at the end of the day, it really depends on like who you've spoken to, right? How well you clicked. Um, how the business is going, what's the opportunity, and do they ultimately believe that you can execute, right? So I will say this, I will say that everyone who passed, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who passed, I think it's probably my fault that I wasn't able to convince them that, you know, there's a real opportunity there, right? And that's really, that's that's supposed to be my job, right? So I'm going to leave it at that because that's the only way I can function and keep building. Right. right? Sure. Like, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Then, you, know, know, you know, there's a lot written about this and a lot of yeah, discussion yeah, yeah, yeah. about, yeah. you know, why, yeah. you know, why, why do African founders have to jump through seemingly more hoops? Uh, yeah, yeah, we definitely do, right? We definitely mm-hmm. do. And, and I, I definitely do recognize that we do. Um, there is, there's without a shadow of a doubt, right, that we have to jump through more hoops. Sometimes it helps even if you have like external signaling effects, you know, um, and then like, like I said before, like my background, you know, where I went to school, where I worked, you know, and everything, it didn't make it any easier, right? I still got a lot of like no's, 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 no's. And it's also the same even when you go through syndicate rounds and friends and family rounds, right? Mm-hmm. You're a first time like solo African entrepreneur in Africa, 
right? And you're trying to do something. It's not, it's not like FinTech where there's a hundred different plays. It's not um, like EdTech where people have seen it before. It's you're literally trying to do something and people aren't, um, you know, not sure. So like, I guess part of my job is to come in, blow it up and that the next person can raise easier. You're right? plowing a fresh field to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that, yeah. You, you made a conscious choice to focus on, as I read, uh, small restaurants. Yeah. Talk about what that really means. I mean, are, are these really small restaurants or are these just like one location restaurants? Kind of talk about your sweet spot and why you made that choice. Right, so I think uh, when we were looking at, so I'll, I'll say this, the large QSRs still come to us because they like all the online sort of like products that we build, right? So we have, we dedicate a small portion of our time, you know, not everyone has like, you know, all these online channels and WhatsApp, you do it, you know, so like we dedicate a small portion of our time to that. But you're right, as was written in the article, right? We focus a lot on a small vendor. So who, what does that mean, right? Typically the clients we love are the ones that, you know, were using cash and like a cash till before or pen and paper, right? And then they were writing everything by hand. And then they would take them, you know, one, two, three, four, five hours at the end of the day to figure out if they made any money, if they lost any money, right? right. So those are those are like the ones, that's sort of like the profile because we can come in and within like a day of them running, you know, Orda, right? They see a huge shift. Whereas something would take them like, you know, three, four hours at the end of the click, they click one button, you know, they get their profit, they get their loss, they know what's happening. They see what their top selling products are, all right. this. These are really the restaurants that we love. These are like, these are, these are our people, right? Right. Mm -hmm. right. So, so I'm always curious about another thing, which is, um, you know, what makes uh, a good prospect for a SaaS tool? Now, I, I understand you just sort of said, you know, business on pen and paper, you can, you can demonstrate value very easily, I think with mm -hmm. that situation, but, but having it received is another, <laughs> as another situation. So I I've done studies around about SAS adoption around the world. And yeah, uh, there, there's some common denominators and they tend to be, and these, some of these are, there's always many exceptions to these rules, of course, mm -hmm. but it's, um, it tends to be like very new, newer businesses operated by younger uh, operators as opposed to a business. The longer business has been around, the less likely mm -hmm. it is to adopt SaaS tools. Yeah. Are you seeing some of those similar patterns? I mean, in other words, do you sort of like, if you can go to, they've been operating less than two years, there's a young owner, that sale is going to be a lot easier than the business has been there 20 years. Um, are any I of think, these things true for you? I think uh, to some extent, maybe. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful part about Orda is that every restaurant operator, even if they were using pen and paper, has been to a restaurant where they've seen a point of sale system, right? Oh, and then true. for one reason or another, either it was the price, either it was the functionality, something about it just didn't click and resonate. They've barely ran, seldomly have they had a local company, a local SaaS restaurant product coming to them with a product that's been built for them, designed by them, right? And say, here you go, right? And so that's how we're seeing, um, you know, I would say quicker adoption. Now, the challenge that we're having, right? And, you know, cause I think that's probably the next question, right? Is, um, 
is like, so there is sort of a segmentation between a young business owner and an older business owner. So an older business owner, right, it's their first sort of like introduction into, you know, like a world-class technology, right? Mm -hmm. Like a cloud-based system that does all these beautiful things. And so we do have to spend, you know, some time training them, um, making sure that our customer service processes are world-class, making sure that they understand. And it does take a little bit of time, but once they understand, and, you know, it's like, it's at the end of the day, it's like they can play Candy Crush, they can use Orta, right? <laughs> so it's, uh, once they understand where everything goes, right? It's like, it, yeah. it, it's, 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 it's just amazing what we could do for them. I think you should arm your salespeople with that phrase. <laughs> if you can play Candy Crush, you can use this. Um, which leads me to my next question, which is your customer acquisition. How do you acquire customers? Because Big challenge for all SaaS companies, especially when they're trying to scale up, is what is the what is the sales strategy? Because sales gets very expensive. Yeah, well, it starts expensive and it doesn't get less expensive necessarily. And uh, so, talk about how you think about growing rapidly, uh, and how you think about customer acquisition. Charles, I, I honestly, maybe we're still super early, but I wish sales was the problem. The problem right now is the onboarding, right? Okay. Because when when you think about, we have a pipeline of customers mm -hmm. and we only have a limited amount of stats, uh, staff. And we only, as you said it, like we raised a million. No, you didn't raise 10, right? <laughs> so yeah, 1 million can go by real quick, right? I, I you know, I, at my previous employer spent a million dollars like that, right? So right. we have to be very careful. So when we're talking about, you know, I'll answer your sales part and then I'll talk about what I mentioned. So like the sales, what's really beautiful is that, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of solving for supply chain that have restaurants acquired and they want to get deeper insights into what's going on. There's a lot of other, um, you know, banks and like uh, banks and payment companies that have restaurants and they want to get a bigger, um, a deeper understanding of what's going on. And with Orta, we partner, right? So we're just like, hey, you have like, you know, a Charles's restaurant on your platform and then you sell them supply chain you know with our inventory management we can let you know what you know charles is running out of before he runs out of it right and then you can just like have like a better sales cycle around your product so they're they're very eager and keen to run with us so to partner with us so that's really our onboarding strategy right now and we also have a physical and customer service and it's very simple like two three visits and then until they, you know they close right so we've got about maybe two three so right now that's not our biggest challenge to address our biggest yeah sorry you say it's not your biggest challenge now. It's a two to three call close is sort of what you, I believe that's what you just said. Again, when you're small and, and, and starting out, that, that cannot seem like a challenge. But as you're trying to get 10,000, 100,000 customers, uh, does that still work? Well, it all depends on the top funnel, right? Yeah. The top funnel is there, right? And, and to tell you the truth, so even if you have that top funnel, whether it's at like 10, 1,000, 5,000, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be able to onboard them as quickly as possible, right? So it's not, you know, the client's not going to become a client until he's used your software and he's made like a subscription payment or a transaction payment, right? Okay. So, um, you know, just like my approach a little bit is maybe a little bit on the other end. It's solving for that onboarding time, solving because again, you know, when I told you when, when we look at the young cons consumer, maybe we go there, we do a video if we're lucky, right? A video, we send them a couple of product videos, a demo video, and then they get it. Or we do a one, we show up once and we train their staff and then they, we have a champion that keeps doing it. 
but it's for like the ones that are, you know, a little bit, you know, not so it's like their first sort of like opportunity into like digitization, right? You know, sometimes I'll be, I'll be frank with you, we can go there the whole week, right? I can keep a person there the whole week. And then, you know, they have a multiple of staff and then the staff depends on the education level of the staff, right? So yeah. having one person there kind of like takes away from the sales cycle. Right. So as we're growing, as we're expanding, you know, what we're trying to get better at is how do we make it easier? Because our whole ethos is making it easier for the restaurants to to to, to just digitize. Right. right and right. so that is really like the challenge. So you say going back to something we talked about earlier, where you're talking about pen and paper being, you know, that's what you're replacing. Mm -hmm. Is that actually better scenario than replacing an existing system to the degree that existing systems are even installed in your uh, in your target market? Yeah, we think so, because, you know, there, in SaaS, as I'm sure you've uh, alluded to, there's there's switching costs, right? right. So That's what I'm getting know. at. It's like the switching <laughs> yeah. cost is zero versus whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then so that's why we're, we're, we're growing and we're trying to scale really quickly. Right. Yeah. We want to be, you know, we want to have the whole, you know, sort of like continent. Right. We want to have the whole first to market on the whole continent. Right? right. And then, you know, make it a little bit harder for who decides to come in. That, that means yeah. that they're going to have to create a much, much more superior product. Right. For for and then, you know, while we keep trying to build a much, much more superior product. Right. And, and that's so the business. Right. Then, yeah. 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 That's, that's the business. Right. So, um, you know, uh, so like, as you say, like, you know, there's switching costs is zero. It's our time. It's our effort. And it's just, you know, they they again, like what's really important to note is, you know, most restaurant owners, I want to I don't have the stats, but I would say like 90, 95 percent of them would know what a point of sale system for restaurants are they've seen it right as you said if they don't have it in their own place that's someplace they've been yeah i mean that's yeah. fair point. especially if it's like a chain or qsr or you know yeah that that's that's going to have been there for probably for a while it's it's the single location relatively small places that no matter where you are in the world there's still some of that either use a legacy like so, you know, some sort of legacy system or, or yeah. literally no system at all. Um, okay. And you're surprised how many um, chains and QSRs we are about to onboard, uh, onboard <laughs> that do not have, that are still using pen and paper. Interesting. Like chains for like franchises from international yeah, franchises have been around like, you know, no local, local chains. Okay. Okay. I just yeah. want to be clear about that. I would yeah. imagine it's hard to find McDonald's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere in like the world. A, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not uh, fully automated, but um, okay. So talk, talk, I mean, I know you want to get big and become the, I, I, the, the term, the toast of Africa has been used. I don't know if you put that into the ear of the uh, reporters or I don't know whether they came up with that themselves. But that's, I mean, I, I got that right away because I cover SAS in the US as well. And so I know toast pretty well. Um, and, and I sort of get what that means when you say you want to be the toast of Africa as opposed to, you know, the toast of. <laughs> I, I, I meant that. <laughs> I, meant, I meant that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you get there? And I know that's a ridiculously broad question, but that encompasses, you know, what kind of money you have to raise, what kind of partnerships you have to form, uh, mm -hmm. what kind of pivots you have to make in terms of your go to market, uh, your, your, your customer acquisition model. That's a lot for one question, but maybe a couple of highlights on what do you think are your keys to scaling to become that toast of Africa? Well, I actually think it's going to happen naturally. 
right? And I already think that it has. So for instance, when you look at, you know, um, not just toast, but if you look at, um, you know, the, the broader sort of like, um, you know, restaurant operating software, you know, most of them, like if you look at Clover, if you look at uh, a bunch of them and, and like even Stripe has, a, has something, right? right. Um, you see that the restaurants rely more and more on their like point of sale software to drive more of their business, right? Thank you.